This podcast deals with mature themes that are intended for an adult audience. The information in this show could be triggering and cause distress for some viewers. If you feel in distress, please seek out help. Please take care in listening. This is the Relationship Review with Delcy Martin. Welcome to the next Sexy Saturday, Anatomy and Erogenous Zones. An additional content warning for today. I'll be using highly detailed and explicit language in today's episode. When I create content for my podcast, my number one goal is to display a high level of professionality. I do this by using academic sources and professional language in my writing. My other goal in my podcast is to be my true self and be real with my audience, because in the end, this podcast is for you. I want to use language, humor, and descriptions which make sense to you and that you can identify with. Today, I'm going to attempt to talk about sexual anatomy, sexual scripts, and how to give and receive pleasure according to your anatomy and scripts. Straddling the line between academic anatomical information and unprofessional explicit content is very challenging, so please bear with me. Know that I am truly excited to present this episode, and it's being done with the goal of providing critical education to help you feel more confident in your sexual interactions. Many of us don't receive proper education about our bodies, and we certainly don't receive education in how to give and receive pleasure. We're left to fumble around in the dark figuring it out, or modeling what we see in pornography and major media. Neither of these options are great and can leave people feeling uncomfortable, out of place, and sometimes traumatized in the bedroom. This can lead to low self-esteem and problematic romantic relationships that affect all areas of our mental well-being. I want to give you the sex ed class that we all hoped for in a way that I hope is safe, professional, respectful, and honest. Everything I talk about today is meant to be a suggestion and should only be attempted if you and your partner feel comfortable. Consent is the cornerstone of great sex. Consent and discussion about preferences during sex should take place before, during, and after sex and revisited often throughout the relationship. Talking about sex in this way can actually be very erotic in its own right, and the anticipation of the sexual encounter after planning it out with your loved one can really enhance the experience in the moment. Safety is also incredibly important in safe and comfortable sex. Keep yourself, the area you have sex in, and any aids that you use clean. Recognize that with any sexual encounter, you are at risk of STIs in pregnancy, and take any precautions that you deem necessary. Most of all, have fun. There is no case study for today's episode because I want the information to be inclusive of all kinds of relationships. The goal of sex is an overall experience of pleasure, not the physical action of orgasm. Experiencing pleasure can occur outside of our physical sex organs. 
I acknowledge that today's episode has its limitations, but I hope that you're able to take something from today that serves you. When I'm describing things that are erotic, this is not the case for everyone. Each person has their own erotic triggers, and a lot of what I talk about may not be your thing, but it is somebody's thing. The goal of sex is overall pleasure in a consensual, safe, and fun way. The perception of things other than insertion and penetration causing pleasure, and this perception of it being deviant, is a very old societal taboo that we're slowly shaking, but it still remains usually because there's an overall lack of knowledge about safe ways to experience pleasure with your partner. I want to encourage you to keep an open mind to other person's experiences of pleasure. You see, some people really love chocolate ice cream. Other people really like bubblegum. I will never for the life of me understand why people get pleasure from bubblegum ice cream, but I'll happily share a table with someone who enjoys it and I'll talk to them about why they love bubblegum ice cream because I still have the chocolate ice cream that I love available. I also celebrate their love of bubblegum ice cream because when it comes down to it, I want everyone to enjoy their ice cream as much as possible. <laughs> There's an episode of Friends where Monica is attempting to explain to Chandler what a woman's erogenous zones are. If this isn't triggering your memory, the scene went something like this. <clears throat> a one, two, three. A one, two, three. A one, a two, a one, two, three. Seven. 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 Okay, bad acting, but you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> of course, at the time of the release of this episode, I was too little to understand why this scene was so funny. But now with adult eyes, I can't even think of erogenous zones without hearing Monica in my head. But all jokes aside, erogenous zones are areas of our body that have heightened sensitivity to sexual arousal. Studies have found that the entire human body is sensitive to sexual touching, but it's hotspot zones that are generally the genitals, breasts, and anus that cause the most erotic feelings. The parts of your body that make you say, oh my, can be very different for everyone. But knowing what might make your partner tick can lead to some fantastic foreplay and could increase the overall amount of pleasure experienced in your sexual encounter. There's a societal bias toward what parts of your body should be erogenous zones. But they're not the only ones. And if someone has a different zone, it doesn't make them strange or deviant. Before you can know your erogenous zones, it's important to know your body. Today, we'll start with a detailed tour of the penis and vulva, and I will highlight which bits of your bits will make you say, oh my, and how to stimulate those bits. At the end of the episode, we will look at other zones and how one could stimulate those for pleasure. You will notice as I explain anatomy, I use phrases like vulva owners and penis owners rather than men and women. This is a very intentional choice that I'm using to reflect the sexual diversity in our society. Some listening to this may be frustrated by the terms that I use, or in this case, choose not to use. But please know that this is in the spirit of inclusivity. 
I don't feel my status as a woman is threatened by my trans woman sisters. And if my choice of language can help another soul feel included, then I'm more than happy to do this. Much of society holds on to the outdated belief that your sex organs make you a man or a woman, but we know now that this isn't the case. The inherent feeling of maleness and femaleness, or in some cases neither, is not determined by the sex organs we carry, but rather our internal concept of gender. This has been validated by numerous scientific studies, but it's taking time for society to move from the outdated belief to a more inclusive separation of sex organ and gender. I encourage you to keep an open mind in considering your definition of what it is to be a man or a woman and expand this past the sexual organs that someone carries. Some of us are born with vulvas. The term vulva refers to the external portion of the female anatomy. The word vagina that we use most often actually refers to the vaginal opening into one's body. The vulva is made up of the labia majora, which is the thicker outer lips, and the labia minora, the inner lips, the clitoris, the urethra opening, and the vaginal opening. The vulva is incredible. No two are exactly alike. Some labia owners have thick outer lips and others are more subtle. They're all different colors and shapes. Some have long labia minora that reach past the labia majora. Some individuals have a clitoris that protrudes noticeably outward and others have a clitoris that's more set into the body. One recommendation that was given to me in a university class that I really wanna pass on to you, dear listeners, Take a mirror and look at your vulva. Try and find the different aspects of your anatomy. Notice its color and shape. The reason I want you to do this is that a lot of people are embarrassed by their vulvas. They think that theirs is strange. The reason they think this is likely because they haven't seen a whole lot of vulvas, or the ones they have seen have been altered by labiaplasty or very expensive grooming that's used in the pornography industry. Vulvas are super cool in their own way. Before we travel inward in the body with a discussion of the clitoris, I want to focus a bit more on the sets of labia. Every vulva owner has a different level of sensitivity. Some people enjoy having their outer lips stroked by a hand or having them gently tugged on by their partner's mouth during oral sex. The labia minora tend to be the most sensitive of the two. So take care when handling these bits and communicate clearly to your partner the level of pressure that you want them to have on your vulva. If you're into sexual aids, a vibrator taken along the outer lips of the vulva can be an excellent form of foreplay for some. Vibrators are useful to add some extra fun to any relationship, but they're especially useful for folks who have arthritis or other medical conditions causing chronic pain in the hands. The clitoris is a very interesting part of the body. It can be found within the folds of skin where the top of your labia meet. We see it protrude outside of the body, but inside it actually extends up to your pubic bone in a wishbone-like shape. The clitoris and penis are actually just slightly different versions of the same organ. The clitoris is made of erectile tissue that fills up with blood when aroused, just like a penis does. Some individuals get aroused with anal play and others from vaginal stimulation. But interestingly, those are not separate body processes. You're just massaging the clitoris from different angles. 
It's the only organ in the human body whose sole purpose is pleasure. The majority of vulva owners require direct stimulation of the clitoris to reach orgasm. There are variances reported in how orgasms feel, depending on if they occur with the clitoral, vaginal, anal, and G-spot. Researchers think this could be linked to different nerve pathways in the brain responsible for pleasure to each of these bits. To stimulate pleasure in the clitoris, there's a few things to consider. Pressure is very important, either light or heavy, and remember that the type of pressure desired can change throughout the sexual experience. Direction of stimulation. Some people prefer back and forth motions, other circular motions, and everything in between. Temperature is also a consideration. Some folks really enjoy temperature play. Try getting your partner to give you oral sex with an ice cube in their mouth. Or some might enjoy warm water being poured over the clitoris. In oral sex, your partner could also try variating between sucking motions and flicking motions with their tongue. All of these things that I just described could take place over a lengthy foreplay session or in a couple of different things could be added to your sexual script. By the way, your sexual script is the process that you have in your sexual encounter. Do you start with foreplay? Do you have certain order of positions you like to try? Does one of you receive pleasure and switch off or something else? Everyone has a different sexual script and general order that they like to do things in. Your G-spot is not a magical pleasure button as society would lead us to believe. Organically, it's a cushion of tissue wrapped around the urethra, also called the urethral sponge. It can be stimulated through the front wall of the vagina. Every vulva owner has a urethral sponge, but that doesn't mean that every owner has the capacity to feel erotic pleasure from its stimulation. If you want to try and find your G-spot, here's a few tips. First, make sure that you use lubricant and that you're already slightly aroused. This will make it easier to find. Massaging it can sometimes make you feel like you need to pee. This is normal considering it's a urethral sponge. Massaging it should not make you pee, but it would be highly recommended that you go to the bathroom prior to trying. You may need to change positions for you or your partner to access your G-spot. Play around with it. It will feel awkward at first, but with practice, the results can be fantastic. Your partner will need to press firmly, but not roughly, into your vaginal wall. Explore a bit and find something that feels like a ridged area just behind the pubic bone. Pressing down on this spot and making a come-hither motion with the fingers should access the G-spot. Of course, when doing this, you need to be very open, honest, and gentle communicating with your partner to tell them what kind of pressure you need, what kind of motion, and recognize that you and your partner are learning together what feels good, because everyone's bodies are different. Some wonder if female ejaculation is a thing, or are women just peeing themselves during sex? Interestingly, female ejaculation is absolutely a thing. With continuous stimulation of the urethral sponge, glands will fill up with a clear odorless liquid that's pushed out in either a flow or a gush. Not every person is able to ejaculate though. It can be attached to orgasm or not. In both vulva and penises orgasms, orgasm and ejaculation are actually completely separate brain processes. So you can have both, but you may not have both. 
When considering vaginal pleasure, there's a few things to consider. Please note that there's a lot of individuals, especially trauma survivors, who may not enjoy vaginal stimulation or who may have a lot of anxiety surrounding it. It's important to know that you can still have sex without vaginal insertion. You can experience a world of pleasure without this. But if it's something that you enjoy, here's some thoughts. First, method of penetration needs to be considered or method of insertion. There's so many options other than a penis. There's fingers, dildos, dildo vibrator combos, and even an agile tongue. No matter what method you use, make sure you keep yourself safe by using condoms, keeping your body clean, keeping your toys properly cleaned, and not inserting anything in yourself that has sharp edges or bits that can break off. Be very cautious when using scented products in this area, as it could lead to UTI or yeast infection. Another thing to consider is depth. Some individuals have more feeling closer to the entrance of the vagina. Some enjoy deeper penetration, but some find deep penetration to be painful. Your cervix can also be in a different position depending on where you are in your monthly cycle, so it could be easier to bump depending on the position you're inserting from. I'm going to eventually sound like a broken record, but again, the only way you can know these things for sure is to communicate with your partner before, during, and after sex what is working for you both and what isn't. For sexual aids for insertion purposes, I would recommend visiting your local adult store and have a look at dildos which come in all sorts of styles and sizes. Some humans are penis owners. On the outside, we begin at the tip of the penis or the head. When erect, the head of the penis is exposed but non-erect. The amount of the exposed tip or glands is the medical term, depends on if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Uncircumcised folks have a layer of foreskin that covers most of the head of the penis. Circumcision removes this layer of foreskin. I won't go into a full explanation of the pros and cons and background of circumcision other than saying it's a personal choice and you could end up with a partner with either of these things. The glands or head of the penis is very sensitive and holds a lot of nerve endings for pleasure. Many penis owners enjoy stimulation of the ridges around the head and especially enjoy stimulation of the frenulum, which is a small bridge of tissue connecting the foreskin to the head of the penis. Much like the clitoris, the head of the penis is sensitive to pleasure, so some folks enjoy temperature play. Please be careful with temperature play. The skin on your genitals is very delicate, so it's easier to damage. If there's any pain, stop immediately. If you're a couple who enjoys vibrators, some enjoy the feeling of a low setting of a vibrator on the head of the penis. This is also enjoyed down the shaft of the penis. The shaft is the length of the penis connecting the head to the base. It expands when aroused. Running along the underside of the shaft is a hump of skin called the corpus spongiosum. Internally, we see a column of spongy tissue that fills with blood when aroused to make the penis erect. This hump of skin runs on the underside of the penis from the head all the way to the anus and is very sensitive to touch. The corpora cavernosa 
is the other spongy tissue that fills with blood to cause erection. Penis owners enjoy light play. You could use feathers or just a gentle touch with lubricant. But truly, a lot of penis owners say that the shaft of the penis can be held much more firmly than their partners expect. Others enjoy what is commonly called edging, where you bring your partner or yourself almost to the point of orgasm and then stop and return to foreplay. Interestingly, this stop-start technique is used in formal sex therapy work to help individuals who struggle with premature ejaculation, something that is very common, by the way. Sexual aids can be used for fun here or for practical reasons. For those individuals who may struggle with chronic pain or stiffness in their hands or mobility issues due to differing ability, adult stores sell a super useful and fun aid categorized under male masturbators. These aids are sleeves, tubes, or anatomically correct tools that allow the penis to be inserted into with lubricant and moved in an up and down motion to create pleasure. Some of these masturbators vibrate. Some are designed to be used hands-free. I cannot recommend something like this enough if you have differing abilities when it comes to your ability to use your hands. The average size of an adult erect or hard penis is five to seven inches long. The size of your penis when it's soft has no correlation to the size when it's erect. Some penises gain length when erect, but many others remain the same size. Now, the age-old question, does the size matter? The answer is a resounding no, the size does not matter. In fact, many, many vulva owners report that an overly large penis can be very painful, and when it comes down to it, the majority of vulva owners will say that their partner's size isn't what makes the sexual encounter ideal. We've held on to an outdated belief that great sex has to feature insertion of something into vaginal openings. In sex theory, we know that this is not the case. And in fact, it's the overall sexual script featuring things like flirting, foreplay, massage, that sort of thing. And this makes all the difference in the feeling of success in sex. The scrotum is the loose sack of skin that hangs beneath the penis and holds the testicles, commonly known as balls. Testicles produce both testosterone and sperm. When the body is cold, sexually aroused, or physically active, the scrotum will contract, pulling the balls in closer to the body. Testicles are very sensitive, so should always be handled with care as a rule. But some testicle owners enjoy having them gently tugged on or rubbed. Open communication with your partner is essential here, but don't neglect this important area of pleasure. Some folks in the S&M community will purchase weights or rings that go around the scrotum and provide safe tugging and weighted feeling, which can enhance pleasure. The anus is absolutely an erogenous zone. For penis owners, the root of the penis actually runs into the perineum, which is the area between the testicles and the anus. The root of the penis is very sensitive and can actually be stimulated through the anus. This is why anal sex feels especially pleasurable for many penis owners. The urethra, which travels inside the shaft of the penis all the way to the bladder, passes through the prostate gland. The purpose of this gland is to produce ejaculatory fluid, but it's also very sexually sensitive. 
Many can have orgasms just from prostate stimulation alone. Like the G-spot in women, the prostate is connected to the pelvic nerve, triggering a very different kind of orgasm. The prostate can be massaged by inserting a finger three inches into the rectum and stroking toward the front of the body. It feels like a firm bulge. It can be challenging to reach with fingers alone, making sexual aids like dildos and vibrators very useful. The anus is also an erogenous zone for vulva owners. There's a lot of societal taboo associated with anal play because the area is considered unhygienic and, of course, unnatural. In reality, like other aspects of sex, anal play should be approached with the cleanliness, safety, and preparedness as you would other kinds of sexual acts. It will be very painful if something too large is inserted into your anus right away. Adult stores sell anal play kits that have anal plugs of varying sizes, which are safe to insert. The skin of the anus is very delicate and susceptible to tearing, so please do not insert anything with rough or sharp edges. Make sure everything is well sanitized before and after play. Consider using condoms to reduce the risk of bacteria. If you're inserting with your fingers, make sure your nails are cleaned and free from cuts and hangnails and that they're cut short so that they don't accidentally cut your partner. Lubricant is your friend here. Lubricants your friend through all sex. Let's talk about some other erogenous zones. Again, not everyone will feel aroused by these spots being given attention, but for some, attention to these places can really add to the overall intensity of pleasure experienced in your sexual script. There's other erogenous zones that are out there that aren't mentioned, but in the interest of time, I'm going to stick to these ones. The breasts are often an erogenous zone for vulva owners. The nipples are the most sensitive bit, but it can be strongly linked to erotic feelings. Stimulation of the nipples alone can facilitate orgasms in some people. Stimulating the nipples can be an event reserved for foreplay, or it can take place during intercourse and insertion. Temperature play can be very fun for the breasts. Try taking an ice cube in your mouth and stimulating your partner's breasts. You can also variate pinching, flicking, massaging, and tickling them for a different sensation. A word of caution, if your partner is a breastfeeding mama, nipple play may be the last thing that they want. A challenge for some moms is separating the erotic aspects of breast play with the biological need of breastfeeding. Please communicate openly with your partner and only approach this area of play if they feel ready for it. Moving upward, the neck could be given attention. Gentle kisses, nibbles, or tickles as a form of foreplay can be very encouraging. Also pay attention to the ears. Not just whispering sweet nothings into them, although this is fantastic, but also nibbling and maybe deep breathing into the ears. Moving back down, a lot of people miss the importance of the back and the spine. There's a huge amount of nerve endings back there. Erotic massage is one of the most recommended kinds of foreplay in sexual wellness therapy. You could also experiment with feathers or strings tickling the back of the neck and moving up and down the spine. Those in the S&M community enjoy toys such as floggers, which can be used for both tickling and whipping. This is done with the utmost consent, and consent is given throughout the sexual process. Never put yourself in a position where you will cause harm or be caused harm. 
Stop when you feel uncomfortable. Before finishing our episode today, I want to talk a bit about orgasm. Orgasm is a subjective experience that's very hard to describe. There shouldn't be orgasm competition where we worry we aren't having good enough orgasms or as many as other people. The amount or intensity of orgasm experienced has no reflection on the overall quality of the sexual encounter. Orgasm generates more anxiety in the field of sexual wellness from clients than any other topic. Penis owners worry that they come too quickly. Vulva owners worry that they either take too long or that they don't have enough of them. Orgasm is the in the biological sense is an involuntary muscular contraction that releases sexual tension. Orgasm and ejaculation are two separate body and brain processes, and although they often occur at the same time, they can occur separately. It's recommended that we treat orgasm as a pleasant outcome of the sexual experience, but like many things, the more you focus on it and worry about it, the less likely it is to occur. When orgasms happen, they always vary in intensity and in feel, and they feel different depending on what area of the body is being stimulated when they occur. No matter how they occur, the overall pleasure is what counts. Multiple orgasms can happen, but they're not possible for everyone. If you want to try your hand at multiple orgasms, you can play with squeezing your pelvic floor muscles, which is the muscles that you use to stop the flow of urine. And you can do this just before or during orgasm, and it can sometimes trigger multiples. But there's a lot of folks out there who've never had an orgasm before, and there's lots of folks who are unable to orgasm. This doesn't make their sexual experiences less valid or valuable, just different. I know I'm a broken record, but again, remember, the goal of sex is for you and your loved one to give and receive as much pleasure and connection as possible no matter how that pleasure is achieved. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and you can take something with you to make your next sexual encounter as comfortable, as fun as possible. And I want to thank you for being brave and coming to me in this space today. Take good care. Mm -hmm.